Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio High School Hoops Around the State podcast. I am your host, Kurt Stubbs. I hope everybody out there had a uh, great July 4th holiday. Uh, Hopefully you got to spin that into a four-day weekend. Uh, If you did, that is fantastic. Uh, Today we are going to do a little impromptu show Uh, Looking back at the 2004 Bel Air Big Reds and their run to the state tournament, their first and only appearance um, at the state tournament for such a historical and proud program that was under legendary head coach in Ohio High School Basketball Coaches Association Hall of Famer Gene Amarante. It was a run um, that ended in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, It was a great story that year, Um, and to do that, to take a look back at that season, uh, I think there is nobody else better to bring on to the show than the man that I believe covered every single game that season for the Big Reds, 20-plus years in the business, the sports editor at the Martins Ferry Times leader, Mr. Sestaski. Mr. Sestaski, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a while. You know, your uh, your one episode uh, still hold held the record uh, for most listenership until Brooke Cups of Centerville episode passed it by. So uh, you're still in second place, but you know what they say about second place. Absolutely. You've taught me that well over the years, and uh... – I'll say this, though. I don't know why people weren't necessarily listening. I think they were just listening to hear us banter. I don't know if they were all that interested in what I had to say or you individually. It was it was the collective banter. They enjoy that here. Yeah, I um, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, I sent out a tweet uh, not too long ago about former Skyview standout Mitch Hannes, and I could not believe the uh, interaction that that tweet got and just the amount of people that jumped in and wanted to share memories about uh, Mitch and his playing days back in uh, at Skyview or whether it was with his uh, Legion team that was ultra successful. So, um, you know, it may not be the most talented part of the state, but it certainly is a place uh, in Ohio that uh, certainly loves sports to the nth degree. Absolutely, and they never forget those who played here or competed here or attended here. Mitch is obviously you referenced him, and I saw that tweet and retweeted it and uh, obviously had a great season of coaching baseball at Indiana State University and where he went immediately himself and is now the manager there and had them in the NCAA tournament. I believe they lost to Vanderbilt in the uh, regional round. But, yeah, people around here love sports. They love prep sports because that's basically what we have, save for a few minor league professional teams in the tri-state area. But um, prep sports drives the market, and people have long memories for it. I mean, whether it's hoops, football, baseball, uh, as you said, Legion ball, it doesn't matter. People – Love it and have a thirst for it. Well, speaking of uh, never forgetting, uh, it's hard to believe, really, that it's been uh, 15 years since the 
uh, Belair Big Reds made the trek to Columbus in 2004 to the state tournament. And uh, I remember probably three or four years prior to that, uh, I made a statement one time and uh, just kind of speaking um, out of turn, if you will, uh, that there would be no Belmont County team in the next 50 years to ever make the state tournament in boys basketball, which I believe is the most difficult to do of the sports. And since that um, profound statement that I've made, there's been two teams uh, on the boys' side from Belmont County with St. Clairsville also doing it in 2012 uh, to make the state tournament. Seth, does it seem like it was 15 years ago that you were covering that team? No, absolutely not. It uh, seems maybe like five days ago. That was one heck of a season, one heck of a team, and uh, obviously were denied in the state semifinals by Versailles, which eventually went on to fall to St. Henry. Um, had That team had two relatively easy sectional games, and then every game basically from there on out was – a nail biter, uh, the two district games, uh, regional game down in Athens, a, a shot, I believe from Chesapeake's PJ race, uh, went from a corner or the corner look on the sure if it was a two or a three, but it went in and halfway down and come back out and that preserved the outcome to send Bel Air and, and Gene Amarante, their hall of fame head coach at the time to his first and, and it turned out his only state tournament. Uh, he'd been on the, He'd been on the doorstep several times and uh, finally was able to get over the hump But and took a 6'10 guy in Aaron Agnew and a guy who, who had a brief stint in the NFL and Nate Davis and a, and a couple really, really good, good guards and, and Mike Fisher and Josh Fisher, who Josh Fisher started guarding people as soon as kids got off the bus. He, I think Gene had him in a stance. He was down there slapping the concrete as they stepped off onto the street and into the school. Uh and then some role players. Uh, they weren't they weren't a deep team. And, and Gene Amarante, to the day he retired, called himself the worst substitution coach in America. And their depth probably took a toll on them at, at some point. Um, but they were always able to keep Aaron Agnew, their their six ten pivot, on the floor. Uh, he he was able to avoid foul trouble. Even though I, I found, especially in our in our local area, that. He, he was tough to officiate for guys, I mean, for, for local officials because, I mean, he's getting tugged on on the offensive end. He's getting – I mean, it, it, is an advantage being gained, I guess, was the question when it, when it came to Garden. Uh, and then Nate Davis was electric at the top. He was only a sophomore on that team, I believe, and uh, really made it go. Um, I believe he opened the state tournament with a pull-up tray from the – top of the key and uh kind of set the wheels in motion and a play they ran uh religiously uh, all season would they throw it into the corner then a high entry pass uh into the low post to agnew and he was basically a drop step and a lay-in uh proceeded to become a turnover and it opened the door to Versailles and uh give those guys those guys credit uh kyle gale and I believe they were shorthanded with some injuries suffered in the regional, um, but but they found a way and uh, got it done. And that was a very disappointing loss. And I'll tell you, I've seen a lot of teams in my 20 years now of doing this, and you, you grow fond of these teams as you cover them and, and you get to know the coaches and the players. And uh, 
that was a team, as you know, that I became fond of and had covered basically every game throughout that run and that's and most of that season. Uh, and that was a tough loss for everybody, the community and the, the school and, and the Ohio Valley because that team was was kind of built with a great guard and a great post player to take that next step and play on Saturday, but just came up short. Yeah, in Division Three, I mean, when you have a 6'10 a post and an um, all-world player like Nate Davis, um, you have a legitimate chance of getting it done, and they did. Um, and for some of us that weren't maybe as close to the team as you were because you did, like you said, you covered most of those games. You're really good buddies with those guys, and still to this day, um, most – if not all of the coaching staff members are, are really good buddies of yours. But you, you look back at that from me, kind of a, a an outsider uh, coming from a, a rival school of Bel Air. And you see just how heart wrenching that is uh, 15 years later, that that team really, really could have got the job done uh, had they got by that game. And, and it, you look back on it. What if, what if, what if, and, it was a fantastic season, and Blair had um, their own detractors as well. I mean, they had a, a kid uh, leave the team for whatever reason um, at, at some point during the season, one of their main guys, which they didn't uh, – I think they played six in the state tournament. I think Jay Ofat came off the bench, uh, and Andrew Bobka was your just classic role guy. He was a sophomore at the time, but he was a more of a, as Coach Batista says at that time, a catch-and-put-it-over-your-head guy. Uh, and then go down and play play some good defense on the other end, and don't you know don't do anything dumb, uh, because uh, those guys. The thing that made those guys great was you had two ultra competitive kids, and and the Fisher brothers. Uh, Josh Fisher had one of the most bizarre warm ups of any kid I have ever seen in my life. I don't think he ever took a shot um, on the main basket. Uh, in warmups, he would shoot behind the board uh, on the side of the board. He was doing. Um, plyometrics on the side of the court so if you ever saw Josh warm up it was something uh, to behold and I remember coach Saf uh, the late coach Saf Rich Saffield would always just marvel at that warm-up uh, <laughs> but the, but those guys were just so unique um, and they built a schedule that year because they had lost in 2003 to Sugar Creek Garraway uh, in the district semis at St. John Arena and they uh, Garraway went on to become state runner-up losing uh, in the state finals. Uh, so they knew what it took, uh, and they knew they had to bump that schedule up the next year, and they certainly did. They ended up playing um, Upper St. Clair, uh, Logan Elm, and Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's at the jar. So, and I think their only other loss that season was maybe a triple overtime, double overtime game to Wheeling Park. Is that correct? Yeah, they, I think they avenged that one later obviously, but yeah. So they, they stepped, they stepped the schedule up because they knew, um, you know, and they took, you know, I think upper St. Clair had Sean Lee who uh, plays for the Dallas Cowboys now. And St. Vincent St. Mary's was just one year removed from, um, you know, playing with, with LeBron and that crew, but that St. Vincent St. Mary's squad uh, ended up getting beat. Uh, I think maybe by two in the regional finals to the Pollitts twins at, Ottawa Glendorf. So they were a really, really good team. And, and I think Belair um, found out a lot about their self. I think that game was on a Sunday uh, yes, when, they, when they played St. V. And I think, I think there was a lot of uh, 
kids on that team, especially Nate, um, that kind of had to come to terms with, all right, is it, uh, are we going to do something with this and make a run or, or are we going to, you know, hang our heads? And they certainly um, did the, did the, um, the ladder there to get that team. And you spoke about the tournament run. <laughs> Funny thing. And I can remember this cause I, I was coaching at a team that was also in that uh, sectional at the time. And I think you'll remember this, but you know how bad the sectional was or not how bad, but how, how much they owned that sectional were guys on the other team after they beat them and their families were getting autographs <laughs> with Nate and Aaron. Do you remember that? Absolutely. And you're not exaggerating that one bit for the listenership. He is not exaggerating that. <laughs> they were I mean, that was, that was outstanding. Getting autographs. And I mean, they were starstruck by those guys and uh, <laughs> they obliged and signed uh, willingly. I think they were a little bit taken aback. Like what in the world's going on? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you're you're spot on, and they did play a difficult schedule. You're right on that too. They they did up that, and uh, and that's what it took. I mean, you, you can you can beat on the the local teams. They had to play their area teams that they always played, um, and rightfully so. But uh, you, you get 20, back then you got 20 games and there was no in, in our area the OVAC tournament there was none of that so you didn't have to even leave too long for that but um, so you go out and take you play the the 12 14 16 games you have to play and then go find some other people new people get a different look I mean like you and I talk off air at times about you don't know how good you are or what weaknesses you have until you go out and see something that you're not accustomed to see and I think Belair did that well. I think Bruce Young was their AD, and, and Gene Amarante got together that off season, like you said, and they and they prepared to make that run, and knowing their personnel, knowing what they'd have coming back, and and here they and they got there. Uh, and Saint Saint Clairsville kind of did the same thing back a few years later, but uh, so the the model is there. It's just a matter of having some players to be able to ex, ex to execute the model, if you will. Yeah, here's the model. Have a a six ten guy that went to Iowa State, an NFL, future NFL quarterback, or um, an all world uh, athlete, and Dan Monteroso who could just flat out just take games over. And and, and we've talked many times that those guys, you know, those are a once in a um, you know once in a coaching lifetime type kids. And you know, Gene Amarani was. You, did, you know, it's one of those guys, it's like when teams are really good, you don't really appreciate it until it's it's done. And Gene was just so good that he could, you know, he, and it's kind of reminded me with, uh, it's got me thinking a whole lot about this with uh, the passing of the great Gene Ford, uh, who had many battles with Gene Amirani. But, you know, Gene, many people said about Gene Ford that, you know, he could play games in the 90s when he knew he had the horses uh, but he could also play games in the 30s and 40s and beat you that way um, if he had to. And I feel like Gene Amarani was kind of the same way. I mean, I just remember him with teams uh, that, that made the regional and maybe 97 thinking, how in the world did this guy get that team to the regional? Um, and, and he did it many, many times. But he he knew what he had and he could adapt to uh, the personnel that he had when a lot of coaches are just like, this is how we're going to do it. This is this is how I do things, but Gene didn't do things that way, and 
the passing of Gene Ford has really got me thinking just how much we probably take for granted guys like Gene Amirani, maybe, you know, Bob, the Bob Von Kennels of the world, um, Gene Ford, Kim Clifford, you know, those guys that just um, in our area alone that had did this for 30, 40 years and, and did it with excellence and um, never anything that, um, you know, drew a black eye on the program. And, and Gene, it's so good to see Gene, um, you know, Gene lost his beloved wife, Pam, um, a couple years back. And uh, man, those two were like, you know, Gene loved coaching basketball, but he loved his wife far more than any basketball game that he ever won. And it's so good to see him back at Wheeling Park now and, and helping out with his son and, and Michael Jebby up there. And then you got his nephew, Jr. back on the bench at Blair. So all seems right in the world again down that way. Yeah, absolutely. And it is good to see Gene. I tell you what, if you watch Gene coach even now as an assistant, the guy's not lost an ounce of his – Nothing. His I mean, I'll see him in practice, So I, but – in game, I mean, he's as intense as he was in terms of working the officials, and he still stomps that foot even from a seated position as an assistant, uh, and really contributes a lot to that. I mean, I've sat next to their bench, and Michael Jebbia leans on him a lot, and why wouldn't you? I mean, the guy's in about every Hall of Fame short of Springfield Mass that there is for a high school coach, and rightfully I mean, so. You'd be yes, and you'd be foolish not to take advantage of his knowledge, expertise, his things that he sees things. I mean, and he's a great guy. And he, I'll tell you what, he was a great quote after the games. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the times that he had me scratching my head with a, with a quote. I mean, he had a player once named Marcus Vincent, who was a real diminutive point guard and could really <laughs> handle the ball. And he told me once, I'll tell you what, if there was a dribbling contest down at the carnival, he would be my guy. I would enter. I, I'm thinking, who comes up with something like the dribbling contest at the carnival? I mean, I, I've never heard that before, and I've never heard it since. But that's a quote that has stuck with me about Marcus Vincent and uh, from Gene Amarante, and there are countless others. Uh, but just uh, a great guy, and, and obviously his love of basketball trickled down to his son and even his daughter, Lindsay, who I believe has coached uh, junior high, coached junior high boys. Uh, in the Ohio County Wheeling school system. And then obviously J.R.'s uh, Batista's back as Belair's head coach, and that was a tremendous hire. And uh, I, I think he learned something about himself in his two-year absence, and I think uh, I think you'll see a different – not a different approach, obviously, but I think you'll see some differences in the way he handles himself um, in talking to him off the record. But – He's, it, it, and you hear these stories about from Jr. And, and like Jr. and his dad Bob Batista, another basketball junkie, going to all these camps, and they tell some great Gene Ford stories themselves about him. And one I'll share with you real quick. I know we're kind of pressed for time, but he's t- Jr. is telling me that him, Gino Ford, and Mike Snively, a, a legendary player at River, who's in the OVAC Hall of Fame as well, uh, playing on this same AAU team in a wheeling wreck shootout, one of the early years of that event. It's in the early June. And uh, so between games or after the first day, it's a two-day event, JR's dad has a cookout at his house, and they're out on the back deck or whatever, fired up the grill, and Gene Ford's there because Gino played, obviously, and he's talking – they're talking hoops, as what hoops people do. They don't talk much else. 
Uh, <laughs> we're talking about gardening or fishing or something like that. They're talking about basketball. And Gene starts demonstrating a drop step move and proceeds to fall off the deck backwards. Now, <laughs> I don't know how high of a drop that was. It may have, I mean, regardless, <laughs> it couldn't have been fun or uh, comfortable, needless to say. But, uh, just, I mean, and you, whoever you talk to, whether it's uh, Jeff Harrison, a longtime media guy out in the Cambridge way and down this way, Scooter told uh, Kim Clifford, I mean, the, the Gene Ford stories that have flown the last couple of weeks since his unfortunate passing have been, uh, are tremendous. Uh, it's sad that it takes his death to, to revisit them all, but uh, it, it's great that a legend, I mean, an absolute legend in Ohio basketball is remembered from all the good things and not like you said none of those guys did anything to put a black mark on their program their family or their schools and and that to me is far greater than than any of the wins and they've all had lots of them that they could have yeah that, i mean with and i mentioned you know just taking these guys for granted and uh you know you mentioned it's unfortunate that you know, it takes sometimes it takes people passing away and when you start talking about all the great memories. But, you know, you, you think about guys like Gene Ford, Gene Amirani, Kim Clifford, um, a guy I got to spend a lot of time with, Rich Saffield, or whether it was Dick Potts down at River. Um, these guys weren't just basketball coaches. They were they were characters. Um, they, they, they were, quote, machines in and I don't know if it's society and the way that things are now, but, it, you know, you've interviewed thousands of coaches and it seems like a lot of these guys nowadays, it's, it's just very cookie cutter. Um, the quotes you get all seem very cliche or canned if you will. And, um, but it's almost, and I get it. It's, it's, it's part of the way society is, it's like they don't want to say anything wrong um, or maybe, you know, something that could get them in trouble with, with those guys back in those days, you know, you just said, huh, that's Gene or, or that's, uh, that's, that's, that's Potsy, you know, that's, or that's uh, Terry Leggett, you know, that's just the way that they did things then. And, and I think society has totally changed the way that coaches can comment on things after the game, where it's just kind of like, you know, you read the newspaper, it's like insert name with said comment, right? Absolutely. It's worse in football, and I know this is basketball, but it's far worse in football because we don't want to give anybody bulletin board material. Yeah, because you got a whole week before you're going to play that team again. Whereas basketball, they're well, we're playing again in a few days or even tomorrow night, possibly. And oh well, I mean, but there are some good. I mean, J.R. Batista is really good at post game. Ryan Clifford took a, but you notice these guys, the two guys I just named, come from bloodlines of guys who. Well, oh, they've heard the stories. Fun. Yeah, they've heard the stories. I mean, some of these newer coaches, especially, aren't as – I mean, everybody's a good team and everybody's a great player. This I'm thinking, my goodness, if if all these teams are that good, I don't know <laughs> what the problem is when we get – I mean, the other teams must be borderline NBA. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's bizarre because – I don't know. I've debated – I've had conversations with this about people, and I know it's kind of that – to me, it's if I say how my family, how good of a team are we? <laughs> I mean, right. We beat them. I mean, and you can fool some people. You can fool people. 
who really don't follow sports or know kind of what the in terms of an analytical viewpoint uh they're just happy that the the team they're rooting for on the front of the jersey wins and if not they'll play again tomorrow and 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 try it again and and if they lose they're mad at the coach it's never the player's fault but so i think the coach tries to offset some of that through the media that's just my take on it yeah, I, I mean, I, I would 100% agree. Like I said, I think it all comes back to the way society is now and just people are, are are very on edge about, you know, having to watch every single thing that you say. Uh, because not only now are you getting quoted uh, in a newspaper or a local television station, but you're, you know, your, your quotes are on social media within, you know, minutes. Um, and those are getting spread around all over the place. But you know, we can look back, and, and I do. I miss those characters. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was nothing for like Gene Ford to come busted into to our locker room at St. Clairsville after a game, and you know, just make some funny comment. And it's just like you, you just expected it to happen. And uh, but boy, you're exactly right. Uh, Gene's sons, Dustin and, and Gino, also in the coaching business, and. You know, they, they have those their, – their quote machines as well. Um, you mentioned Ryan Clifford and JR. It, it comes from the bloodline. They get it honest. But um, those guys are just uh, once-in-a-lifetime guys. And, and, the, and like I said, the way society is, is you're not going to see characters, even if they are, uh, and they won't be in the business very long because of, of the way that schools um, have to operate now so close to the vest. But – Getting back to uh, that 2004 run, um, and I never, I guess I never really thought about this at the time. And, you know, they're playing Versailles, which um, what well, they had history with Versailles um, from the 95 uh, state football finals uh, up at Maslin um, and being there and um, following that Bel Air Big Reds run because it, it was like the first. It was like the first run since maybe 86 with St. Clairsville that kind of everybody got on board with. And they get up there um, and they have a lead. Uh, they lose a heartbreaking game in overtime, 50 to 44 to Versailles. And it was, it was again, it was another game where you can look back and go, you know, sometimes you go to the state and just get absolutely routed. And it's like, all right, well, we got our T-shirts. That was a fun uh, eventful time that we had, uh, and we can look back on that with great memories. But with Belair, it's different because they look back on '95, uh, the football finals, and they had that game won. A um, couple, couple things I know they would like to have back. Uh, it, it was a great game for fans, but ultimately Belair should have and could have won that game, um, and it was their first of three. Uh, incredible runs there. They ended up making it back in 96, uh, getting beat by Valley View. But So they had history with Versailles. And again, uh, they're up, I think, 31-21 and a half against Versailles uh, in the semifinals. And, and I was up there in the crowd sitting by Coach Staff, and I was just thinking to myself, they're going to win this game. They're going to win this game. Versailles can't beat them. Um, you know, Versailles is undefeated. They're coming out of the MAC. I know it, um, and just forgetting, and maybe it was just the fact that I was young at the time, but re- forgetting that those MAC teams, they die hard. Uh, you have to cut the head off of them. <laughs> you cannot give them life. And there were so many times late in that game 
where they had no chance of winning that game. Zero chance. And they found a way somehow. And, and that's, that's the heartbreaking thing for Belair. When I look back, you know, you look back at um, Gale hitting big shots, Ben Shappy hitting big shots, and then, uh, you know, Belair just having chances to, to seal that game. And, and they just, they, they didn't. I don't know if that was on uh, Anchor. I've been having a little bit of trouble here with Anchor lately, and uh, I don't know if it was on my end or or what, but I was mentioning the uh, fact that for sales there in the uh, 2004 finals, there there were so many times there at the end of that game where you were like, all right, they're done. They're done. Belair's moving on to the finals. Um, they're done. And somehow, somehow uh, – they found a way to win that game. And yep. I know I know that was agonizing for you um, covering that team all year and becoming uh, almost like a part of the team, really. I mean, just you knew those guys so well from covering them. I mean, it was a lot of the same characters in football. Yeah, that's true. And you do get to know them. And you, I mean, you were from going to practices to get – interviews and whatnot i mean then you stick around and bs with like you said the coaches uh you do i mean and then you gotta put on your professional hat and say they lost and then put it into words uh which was tough to do because of how it happened like you said i mean gosh i could have wrote probably two thousand words on that game without even thinking about it um from gene Amarande, i remember got second guessed a little bit in the post game about should he have fouled before I think Kyle Gale hit a tray late to tie that thing and send it in right. the overtime. And I mean, he's getting asked in there if you should t- foul. And and that, 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 that idea was kind of, I don't know, was that, that was a fairly new concept back at that in 04 <laughs> fouling in that kind of situation. Uh, it really, yeah, it really was. Yeah. I mean, that was, that's kind of become commonplace, I guess, to a degree now, but um and he had a rationale. I mean, he, it was like he was prepared for that question because he had a thought about, I don't like walking them down there to the line. And you can, if you miss a block out, it becomes a layup. If you hit a, hit a tough tray, I mean, you give him, you kind of tip your cap to him for making that shot, and rightfully so. But it's, it's a fair, it was a fair question. Um, and the turnover late in the game, like I said earlier on the play that they'd run, my goodness, I mean. <laughs> They're still running it. They're still running. I, I know it's 52 was the play number. I mean, that's how, how many of their games. I mean, 52, and he pointed to what side he wanted, what block. And, no, and nobody can stop it. it. No, because he's throwing it up with his arm length. He's throwing it to a guy that was like seven foot three. I mean, so the average high school team was never going to stop that entry pass as long as, he, as long as the path was good. And that was the one time he, it wasn't a good pass. And. I mean, it happens. It's that's basketball. That's sports. I mean, it happens, and it just happened at arguably the most inopportune time that it could happen. And I, I know that young man who did that took it very hard. I, I think he was the last one out of the locker room, uh, and it took some prying to get him out of there. And hearing those stories now, hard like you said, was began this 15 years ago. Uh, I don't know. I mean. You talk to, like, J.R. Batista. Gene Roy really doesn't mention it much. J.R. Batista is pretty adamant that they would have won that next game uh, because his rationale being there was, 
a guy for St. Henry. I assume he means Kurt Holzman, who went on to play at Miami of Ohio, I believe, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Dayton. Okay, Dayton. And they, they had a guy in him that, that Agnew could guard who didn't really necessarily want to leave the paint, which, I, I mean, you'd know that stuff better than me. And Yeah, that's a, that that's a fair point. Okay. Um, so that was his rationale as to what would give them an advantage on Saturday. I mean, I don't know. St. Henry and Versailles had obviously played each other, knew each other well. Uh, so they're in the same league and obviously get sent to different regions, which become an arguing point for people. How can teams in different leagues be in different, in the same league, be in different regions? They don't understand how it works. And you try to explain it to them, and that's absolutely not worth it. You <laughs> even bother doing that. Yeah, forget, so, forget that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it was just a, it was a bitter pill to swallow for Ohio Valley sports fans. The same as the 95, as the Belair Versailles football game you alluded to. Um, we were in high school then, so I wasn't doing this for a living. And I was following that team throughout. I didn't go to Belair. Um, but like like you said, everyone else in our county, you get on the bandwagon. I mean, and there you showed up in, showed up in Maslin and, and arguably – the best quarterback that I've seen come through our area and Jose Davis, who played at Kent, played multiple sports at Kent, uh, an OVAC Hall of Famer. And um, he was he was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Uh, and Belair football was doing things then in 95 that was we talked about just the new concept of fouling on a three. I mean, they were doing things in 95 football wise that were innovative. Mark Boner, who went on to coach at, at Coach you, I think, at St. Clairsville. Yep. Uh, and was the offensive coordinator of that team. John Magistro was the head coach. And, I mean, they were throwing the ball over a lot, using this like a stand-up tight end, like a Rob Gronkowski type and a guy named Dusty Kinder. I mean, I had a huge line, could run the ball. I mean, we're not getting into We could spend days talking about that team. But, I mean, could do it all. Could do it all. Or if they're Achilles, I had an Achilles heel, it would be on the defensive side. They just, I mean, nobody's going to score more than us. Well, it just so happened that Versailles did, uh, unfortunately. But um, just two tough losses in in Bel Air athletic history. But it, it's and it's a it's a rich and great athletic history. Um, when you when you mention the word Bel Air uh, around the state, most people will will talk about the Bel Air Bomber, Alan Horniak, and then you have to kind of you know, let them know that, no, he went to, you know, the, the Catholic, the uh, Blair St. John's, not Blair Big Reds, but the, the Blair Big Reds athletic history. And that, I mean, you know, they had great teams far before that, but um, and then Gene had, Gene had so many good teams at Blair that um, were stopped for one reason or another. Um, nine, we were talking about 96 the other day. They, uh, Cambridge beat them in the regional final and Cambridge beat them three times that year. But uh, so many times Blair was on that doorstep and just couldn't get over the hump. Uh, and then they finally did in 04. And uh, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened uh, against St. Henry. Um, they would have certainly not been overmatched in any way. Um, you know, for sales did lose uh, Joe Shardo there in the regional, which hurt them. But uh, from, I think possibly uh, he would have been the difference maker against St. Henry in the final. St. Henry ends up winning it. 
But let's be honest, Seth. When the Big Reds lost that game, you should have packed your bags and headed back to to Belmont County because <laughs> you were done. Uh, those yeah. were the days, you know, you were you were doing uh, all the games back then, and uh, you were for better. Uh, you know, I can't think of anything, but you, you were worthless the rest of the weekend. Yeah, I was, uh, I was spent, if you will. Uh, I had had enough, and I mean, I, I was uh, like going to. I mean, if they knew where they were going to have a workout the next day, uh, for to go get a story on that for the next day's paper, which would have been a Saturday morning edition preceding their title game, and then it's all null and void, and then. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was. It was time to get on I seventy and head head due east at that point. <laughs> yeah, because the the East District uh, in two thousand four also had um, Dover there and Dover, and again Bob Von Kennel found some way, some way to to with a group of guys, uh, Jeremy eighty, uh, who I think just got the fearless job. He was at Kashocht and he was the one of their better guys on that 2004 Dover team. But somehow he found a way to make that a one-point game against Ottawa Glandorf, who ended up winning the uh, state championship game over uh, Canal Fulton Northwest by 30. Uh, Northwest kind of uh, in an upset beat Dayton's Chaminade in the uh, state semis. But it's just a prime example of how Bob Von Kennel could take, uh, and he's still doing it. Uh, unfortunately, they're in Division One now. Uh, taking a team and, and somehow finding a way to give yourself a win uh, to to be in a position to win, which is something Gene Ford could do, which is something uh, Gene Amirani did, uh, and it, it was just uh, it was just one of those games where you, you look back and I'm sure uh, you can look back on it and fond, it's fond memories now uh, for everybody that was involved. But if you were on the floor that day. Um, I'm sure those guys think about that quite frequently of, you know, if I could have made one more play here or one more loose ball here, or if we just didn't have that turnover or this made this, this shot or whatever. Um, that's the tough thing uh, because no matter what, uh, you know, guys that go on to play big time college or pros, they, they always talk about their most favorite time in sports was those high school days uh, and for some guys, that that's as good as it gets. They don't play past that point. And, and at Belair, they just have so many of those kids uh, in that time frame that would run through a brick wall for the name on the front of that jersey. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of names. Like there was some name recognition. Um, like generational names is the is the way I'm looking to phrase it. Like, I mean. <laughs> names that have come up through the through the ranks that have and I think Bel Air Athletics is getting back to that point um, as we look at it for what they have lying ahead in in athletics for even this coming school year uh, I, I think Bel Air is getting back to that point and, and I think once you once they are able to officially get there and turn that corner better days lie ahead I mean Bel Air was in the second round of the playoffs last year uh, in football and, and basketball had some struggles uh, with some young guys and, and they may struggle again this year, probably will. Um, but if they can stay the course, <laughs> their girls programs are doing well. Um, their, their track team was, has been okay. Uh, 
if they can stay the course in basketball, I think I think better days lie ahead. And, and I mean, you you know the sport far greater and more closer than I do. I mean, you still it boils down to players. I mean, you got to have some talent. But I'm not talking about making runs to Columbus. Bowl. I'm talking being competitive in the schedule that they play. <laughs> but um, I, I think they can get back to that level and then maybe take it beyond that level. But um, it, it, you just got to have commitment and, and guys who are willing to invest the time and put in the time. And, and, and like, you got to want to play the game. Um, you can't just pick up the ball in November, put it down in late February, early March, whatever the case may be, and, and we'll see you in June for a few weeks at the Wheeling Rec Summer League. And then uh, we'll see you again in, in late October, early November. I mean, you just don't become a player like that. I think one of your one of the best lines we talk about lines from these guys. One of the best lines from one of your guys in Rich Saffield that I've learned over the years is players and athletes aren't like fine wine. They just don't get better because, well, I'm a senior now and I'm going to be a player. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works for the parents. The parents should. I think some of the parents believe that. That's not how right. It works. Um, you have to invest time in your craft, whether it's. Um, what you do in podcasting, scouting, teaching, what I do in um, in sports journalism, you have to you have to invest time in it and put time and effort and, and, and practice into it to, to get better at it. Um, it's it's that way in life, not just even in athletics. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe Belair can get there. I think they have the right people in in place uh, from their athletic administration down uh, to their coaches. I, I, and maybe if some of those guys on those teams that we listed started start having some children, and if they go back into the Bel Air school district, um, like you and I always, you always, DNA helps. I mean, sure does. Sure <laughs> does. You gotta have some kind of genetics. Uh, it certainly plays a factor, and I don't know. I mean, this is totally off base, but we'll yeah, see how but- it goes for them. You know, and, and a lot of those guys that we mentioned, some of their kids are, are have been in the, the Steubenville uh, district. Uh, I know Jose's kid uh, won them a, a state championship two years ago in football, uh, Javon. Um, there's several uh, Bel Air families in St. Clairsville now uh, that are helping them with the ultra success that they're having. And, and to me, um, there's three schools back your way. Uh, that have to be good. Uh, and I think everything sports are so much better when St. Clairsville, Martins Ferry and Bel Air are good uh, because, you know, I, I always say this, whether it's the Yankees, the Red Sox, Patriots, Celtics, Lakers, whoever, those teams have to be good uh, for your sport to thrive because there has to be a villain. Um, and it just depends on how, what, you know, narrative you're looking at it from, but St. Clairsville, um, Martins Ferry and Belair, people love to hate those teams. And when they're good, everything is better and it drives the market back that way for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I, but I, I don't know that you'll ever see at the high school level, and this is probably in any, any geographic area, metropolitan or rural or somewhere in the middle. I don't know that you'll ever see the, the, the quote unquote villain anymore because kids don't look at it that way that's their buddy that they played on a travel baseball team with or a travel basketball team with or they follow on or that their buddies with on snapchat or something i mean 
No, it's the it's the thirty eight year old guys like us. <laughs> Soon to be thirty nine this week, so thank you. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, you're probably right, and even even us to a degree. I mean, I remember playing East Ohio Pony All Stars with some of those guys. <laughs> I mean, you, and that was back before social media. The only way you got to know was through those All Star teams. Uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and now I mean, I don't know. Our area is. You can, you can debate it to the cows come home, but it, there aren't many areas in our area where people or families, um, young, growing families aren't moving to Blair, unfortunately. Um, they're moving to St. Clairsville. You got to have business. You got to have business. Yeah, I mean, they're not really moving to Martin's Ferry other than maybe on the on the outskirts into the coal rain area I and mean, um, divulging into some areas where some of your listeners should be like, well, couldn't find on a map. But I mean, <laughs> the rural parts of those school districts, yes, but into the actual heart of the communities, people really aren't moving uh, for one reason or another. I mean, you just can't build in those places. Uh, a litany of reasons, but um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Bel Air is up to division five in football. So they are on the growth in, in terms of their enrollment for right now. And that was not due to competitive balance. So maybe there is some, there's probably some silver lining in that. Well, if you're from St. Clairsville and you're listening, you might want to close your ears right now being a St. Clairsville alum, but I, I do want to thank Bel Air for those memories. Um, whether we were in battle or just, uh, whatever may be the case, those memories uh, will last a lifetime uh, of some of those teams and players that you had. And Seth, I want to uh, thank you for taking the time to to take a trip back memory lane to 2004 with me. And I know some of those some of those uh, memories are still hard to talk about, but uh, I do appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity as always. And you're right; they are they are tough. Even I mean, you just you grow. Uh, and I always, and you know this, I always pride myself on not being a quote-unquote fan. <laughs> but you do become a fan of some of these teams and these guys and these kids, and it does become harder to deal with. But 15 years later, I, I sleep a little better at night. I can't say the same for maybe like you said earlier, those guys on the floor or uh, Gene Amarante or even J.R. Batista or, or Jerry Amarante. But um, they've all moved past it, I think, too, professionally. Anyway. <laughs> Well, Seth, you enjoy the rest of your day and uh, get ready for that MLB All-Star game tonight. Oh, one of my favorite events of the calendar year, as you're well aware. So <laughs> I will be, I'm starting to tailgate here soon. All right, my man. Hey, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Later.